I'm 200 pounds. It lifted me up a couple of feet and was jarring to me, so it was probably jarring to him. Most people don't realize it, but when they're in the Texas waters, they are swimming among sharks. I love the beach. I love swimming in the ocean, but has it ever happened to you where you're swimming, you're having a fun day, you're playing in the waves, and then you look around and you realize everyone else has gotten out and now you're the only person in the ocean? Because when that happens to me, my mind immediately goes to, hmm, if a shark were feeling a bit bitey, I'm the only thing around to bite. Finally made it in and got out of the water and a group of my friends, surf friends, were on the beach and they're like, what's the matter? And I said, eh, I think I just got bit by a shark. Unfortunately for sharks, that's how they figure out what things are. They figure it out with their mouth and their mouth just happens to be full of little razor blades. Yeah, anything with a mouth full of razor blades can stay as far away from me as possible. I'm Bailey Friday, and it is Shark Week or Shark Month, depending on where you look. And Texas wants to know, what are the odds of a shark attack off the Texas coast? What are the chances of getting bitten by a shark while swimming in the Gulf? I'm really glad you asked that because people are very afraid of sharks. That's Karen Ripenberry. She's the curator at Sea Life Grapevine. However, there have been less than 100 recorded incidences of people being attacked by sharks in Texas waters. Now, the last one was uh, last year. Uh, it was a bite to somebody's foot. We actually tracked down the guy who was on the receiving end of that bite. In fact, you heard from him just briefly a few seconds ago. It was December 6th. It was kind of chilly. I had a full suit on and was uh, surfing at Packery Channel on the north side. The Packery Channel is in Corpus Christi. It's a man-made channel off the Gulf of Mexico that separates Mustang Island from North Padre Island. There was a pretty good crowd right at the end of the jetty. And I don't particularly like crowds. And so I saw that there was a peak working on the edge of the channel about another 100, 150 yards further out with nobody on it. Jim, who asked that we only identify him by his first name, has lived in Corpus Christi for nearly 30 years. He's been surfing off the Texas coast for more than 50 years. And I'd caught probably four or five waves and the tide was going out. So the water was really murky. And I was way out there and alone. And you know, normally I wouldn't be concerned, but I was just feeling a little spooked. And then I, I saw a couple dolphins. I thought, okay, well, supposedly dolphins and sharks don't get along. So if you see dolphins, you know, there's not supposed to be sharks around. Now, according to an article from SeaWorld, sharks typically aren't going to mess with dolphins, but that doesn't necessarily mean they couldn't be near each other. I decided, you know what, I'm not comfortable out here, just intuition. And, and that doesn't, I don't think that's ever happened before. And so I was waiting to catch a wave to, to go into the next break, sitting on my board. And all of a sudden, man, something really heavy hit me from underneath on my left foot, lifted me up a couple feet, almost knocked me off my board. Jim says at first he thought it was a sea turtle because of how big the animal was. Soon he realized a sea turtle wouldn't have moved that fast. I thought, you know, it must be a shark. And so I laid down on my board, 
so I could look over my shoulder at my foot, bottom of my foot, and my bottom of my foot was all bloody. And I was like, yeah, that was a shark. I could see, you know, a bunch of cuts. They have very innate senses that are far different than we do. Um, they can smell, like what they say, one drop of blood in the water from a very far distance. So, of course, the immediate thought is got to get into shore. And, you know, it's probably 500 yards offshore. So that's a long paddle. And the problem is you can't stop and set up and catch a wave in because I didn't want to put my foot back in the water. I had my foot propped up over my back so that it wouldn't drip so much blood in the water. It was bleeding pretty good. But Jim was able to paddle back to shore safely where one of his friends treated the cuts. So I called my doc and I told him what happened. And he said, well, you got to go to the emergency room. So I went home and took off my wetsuits. I didn't want him to mess up my wetsuit. Then I drove to the ER and they cleaned it some more and gave me a tetanus shot, some antibiotics and, and so forth. By the time he walked out of the ER, Jim says his phone was blowing up. Turns out one of the guys on the beach who helped treat the bite posted pictures of it on Facebook. And my wife was out of town. I wasn't going to tell her because I didn't want her to, you know, be worried, worried about me surfing. And uh, so I'm like, shoot, I got to call her. So I called her later that afternoon. I said, I had a little incident today. She said, yeah, I know. Uh, her friend Lynn had already called her and told her about it. So she knew about it before I even called her. Jim says one of the reasons he didn't do interviews in the immediate aftermath of the bite was because he realized how fortunate he was to come away with just a few cuts. And he didn't want to equate his incident to those who have suffered more serious injuries in shark encounters. It really does signal that we're not on the, you know, we're not on the menu for sharks. Jesse Gilbert is the president and CEO of the Texas State Aquarium in Corpus Christi. As long as we're respectful of, you know, how they navigate the, the beaches and, and, you know, when they're hunting, which is typically dawn and dusk and things like that, um, you can still enjoy the Texas beaches and not have a problem with, with local sharks. In addition to talking to Jim for this episode, I visited Sea Life Grapevine, where I met curator Karen Reifenberry to get a close-up look at some sharks. If I were in the ocean and I saw that coming towards me, I would assume it was a shark. Absolutely. Absolutely. People think that anything that looks like a shark is a shark and it will hurt them. But in general, sharks are actually not out there to, to hurt us. Unfortunately, the movie Jaws really did, uh, didn't do sharks justice. They made people very afraid of sharks. And unfortunately, due to that, these animals uh, are in many cases threatened uh, and potentially endangered. What kind of sharks are in here? I think I saw a leopard shark, maybe? The leopard shark right there in front of you. Uh, take a look and see the spots on it. Very docile shark, and what's really cool about it is it is from uh, the Pacific coast of California and is really, like I said, very docile. Very cool. What else do you have in here? So you can see another one of our, uh, our guitar fish, which is our wonderful animal here, Sweet Pea. She's a bowmouth guitar fish. And what's really cool about her is she is what we call our princess. She eats, uh, she's the most expensive animal in the aquarium to feed. She eats lobster. 
I myself am not a lobster eater, but I know a lot of lobster fans who probably would be pretty happy to get lobster on the regular. Might not even mind having to swim around in an aquarium. So what's your biggest shark in here? Our biggest shark in here is our nurse shark. And the nurse sharks are really cool. They're more bottom dwellers. I believe that uh, the largest one that we've got in here is she's probably between seven and nine feet long, and she weighs probably about 200 pounds. So what kind of sharks do you have here at Sea Life Grapevine? So the smallest, our coral cat shark, will be found right in the very front of our first gallery, so the kids can take a look and try to find her. So that's the smallest shark we have in the aquarium. The Japanese bullhead and the epaulet is really cool because those animals are what we would consider walking sharks. The Japanese bullhead shark and the epaulet shark have crushing jaws so that they're going to eat more crustaceans and um, potentially like an urchin or things like that where they can crush those. Then you've got the black tip, etc., that have the true teeth. So what's a telltale sign what you're looking at is a shark, even though it might not appear like the shark we all come to know and recognize? Oh my gosh, there's several different things that can define a shark. Um, A lot of people take a look at the skin more specifically. Shark skin has more of a sandpaper feel to it than a general fish, Um, so their scales are a little bit different. Obviously the mouth, Uh, you can look at the variety of dorsal fins that the animals have on their backs their tails, there's so many different characteristics of a shark. Would any of those sharks be found in the Gulf of Mexico, near Texas? We here at Sea Life don't have actually any uh, sharks that are found traditionally off of the Texas coast. However, we do have their cousins. So the white tip and the black tip, their cousins are actually out there here off the Texas coast. But Gilbert, the president of the Texas State Aquarium in Corpus Christi, has a front row seat to the Texas coast. Well, we frequently see, I would say, here in the bay and then certainly uh, on the Gulf side of, of uh, North Padre Island are black tip sharks. Uh, we see a lot of those. We'll see um, sandbar sharks or brown sharks. They're in pretty good number. Bonnethead sharks are quite a, quite a few of those. Those are smaller. They look like hammerheads in the same family, but, but not quite the size of a hammerhead. Scalloped hammerheads are, are fairly common down here. And then you do see uh, bull sharks and tiger sharks uh, that, that frequent certainly the, the Gulf Coast side of the island quite a bit. So there is a, there is a lot of uh, shark, I'd say, in the water in the coastal bit. That is a long list of shark species, but Jim was interested in trying to figure out what kind of shark bit him when he was out surfing. I talked to a friend of mine who's a shark fisherman, lifelong shark fisherman. I sent him a picture of the bottom of my foot. He said, that's not a bull shark. That's probably a spinner shark. And he said, probably about a six to seven foot spinner shark from the shape of the the span of the jaw. And then that made sense because I've seen spinner sharks come out of the water further out than where we normally surf. And that's what they do. They come up from, you know, underneath and they'll actually come out of the water and they spin around and that's that's how they have their name. Jim sent us those pictures. They're in the article accompanying this episode on our website if you want to take a look. A word of caution, there's a little blood, but it's certainly not gruesome. The more I thought about it and, and after looking at the cuts on my feet, I figured out what happened when he hit me from underneath. The backside of his teeth row hit my heel, went through and and hit my heel bone. 
And that's why it was so such a hard shock to me. The cuts and stuff never really hurt very bad. Where he hit me in the heel, where the teeth hit my heel bone, that hurt for a couple of months. That was real tender for a couple of months, just from the bone bruise, I guess. But the actual cuts, their teeth are so sharp, you know, it just, it didn't hurt that bad. People that are uh, surfing look like prey. So potentially sharks might come and try to take a nibble, but again, less than 100 recorded cases. But if you're swimming near people who are fishing, they might be chumming the waters. Well, that's going to bring sharks in. So if you're, you know, a snorkel or, or a scuba diver and you look up and somebody's on a surfboard above you, all you see is that dark silhouette. And that silhouette can, you know, you might not really get a clear idea of what that is. And so again, a shark, you know, they're just curious. They, they see that that might be something that from a dark silhouette standpoint that they might uh, uh, put on the menu and then they realize it's a human and they don't want to. So I think, yeah, you have to be, you know, conscious of, of what's out there. If you think about all the potential things that can happen to you out surfing, you're not going to go surfing. You know, you just kind of got to go with it and, and figure the odds are on your side most of the time. Those odds are long. According to the International Shark Attack file, there have been just 45 unprovoked shark attacks along the Texas coast since 1911. Gilbert emphasized that having sharks in our waters is actually a good thing. We're really conscious of what the ecosystem is doing. And when you see a large number of sharks, you know this the ecosystem is in balance, right? If you take that apex predator out, it's almost like a keystone species. The, the, the whole ecosystem can, can really have a challenge. And so it's good that they're here. I think it's, it, it really kind of signifies that Texas is, is, I think, doing good from a fisheries and coastal management standpoint. And so we have to, you know, we have to share that water uh, with those animals. From Jaws to Shark Week, why do you think there's such a fascination with sharks? That movie has affected generations of people. I, I can't tell you how many people over the, over the years have, have talked about how crazy they think it is that we go out there and surf, you know, because there's sharks out there. I think people are just always fascinated when you talk about wild animals that 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 are that can be dangerous. You know, the way we look at it at the aquarium, even the, the sharks here at the aquarium, even though they're used to us and, and they see people every day, those are dangerous animals. I mean, it's, we can never lose that, that idea that these animals are dangerous. And so I think that there's just something inherently that people kind of like about that idea. I think there's also something that they're in the water. So, you know, maybe, you know, using the bear analogy, although the bear and the human live on land, we're all sharing that space. When you're in water, you're in the shark's domain. The shark has the upper hand, 100%. And so I think there's that whole piece to it as well. Jaws did more to hurt the shark species than it has to help them. So Shark Week and Shark Month, which is celebrated in most aquariums around the country, um, try to educate people to take that mystery away and want to depict them as just natural animals that are in our oceans, just like any of our other fish. We need sharks, but unfortunately, many shark species are considered vulnerable, if not threatened or endangered. This is because of them getting caught in fishing nets, being almost hunted as trophies. Are y'all doing anything special to celebrate Shark Week? We are, we are actually taking the opportunity to celebrate Shark Month here at Sea Life. Ah. So we don't want, want to just focus on one week. These animals are too important to just take a one week out of the, out of the year. Jesse, could there be species of sharks that we just don't know about? 
there's whole areas of the ocean that have, have never even been seen before. And so, yeah, what creatures are out there? What sharks are there? You know, what sharks that maybe we thought were extinct and, and haven't been around, they show back up. This happens with fish from time to time. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's, there, there, there's bound to be species that, that we just have not seen or identified uh, anywhere in the oceans. And I'm guessing the Gulf of Mexico is no exception to that. What can we do to protect sharks? Basically, it's just about getting the word out and making sure that when they are uh, dining for fish, they look for animals that have been taken sustainably, um, which are traditionally um, collected not in in the way that would hurt sharks. And just get the word out and educate themselves that these animals just are not these hunters and, you know, very aggressive killers that, uh, that have been depicted in the past. One of the things that, that we look at quite a bit is resiliency of the, of the Gulf Coast in Texas. And, and we look at that not only from the animal populations and, and the coastal habitats, but also the communities, you know, Corpus Christi and the, the coastal bend in our case. One of the big parts of that is, is fishing and recreational fishing. And we want people to you know, have that that important piece of Texas legacy uh, and, and continue to do that, but do it responsibly. And so part of that is certainly discarding uh, fishing gear, you know, when, when, when the line breaks or, or you know, whatever might happen with your, your fishing line to really dispose of that properly because that can become a problem. And I also think catching releasing sharks. Um, you know, you can't necessarily uh, always uh, predict what's going to end up on the end of your hook. And so when you, when you reel those animals in, Hooking them and getting them out and back into the water as quick as possible, I think, is a really good thing for sharks. Now, let's get back to Jim because that shark encounter he had in December has not slowed him down at all. I still surf, I still go out, I don't expect to get bitten. It does run through my mind every now and then when I'm out there, especially if I'm out far and, and by myself. I tend to stay a little closer to the crowd now. <laughs> I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas-Fort Worth. Thank you guys so much for joining me for Texas Wants to Know. If you liked the show, please give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was written and produced by Chris Blake with editorial support from Brian Seltzer and original music by Michael Eisenstein. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan. Happy Shark Week!